Welcome to episode 10 of the Construction Leaders Podcast. In past episodes, we've talked about critical issues impacting the construction workforce today, including the evolution of diversity and inclusion, what we can do to prevent suicide in the industry, and the importance of building strong relationships. All three of these initiatives have one fundamental thing in common. They can all be supported and improved by having a strong workplace culture and creating a welcoming environment for all. On today's episode, Nick and I are joined by two individuals who are working to do just that through the Associated General Contractors Culture of Care program. Bryn Heineke is AGC's Director of Diversity and Inclusion and Volunteer Engagement. And Henry Nutt III is a pre-construction executive at Southland Industries and is the past chair of AGC's Diversity and Inclusion Committee. Welcome to the podcast, Bryn and Henry. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Bryn, can you start us off and give us a general primer on Culture of Care? You know, what is the program and how did it get started? Yeah, Culture of Care was actually launched by one of our chapters back in 2018, our AGC of Washington chapter, I want to make sure I give them all the credit for creating culture of care. They developed this program out in Washington state in response to an incident that happened on one of our member companies' job sites. There was a noose that was found on a job site and the company had no response plan in place. And they also really wanted to make sure that something like that didn't happen again. So they were looking for a proactive way to set their company culture, set expectations, and make sure that they were communicating all of that to everybody that was on their job site in an effort to prevent an incident from happening in the future, while also dealing with and kind of responding to that incident in real time. So they reached out to our chapter in Washington State, the AGC of Washington, who partnered with the Urban League of Seattle to create Culture of Care. And they launched in early 2018. Around that same time, AGC of America was working on a white paper around the business case for diversity and inclusion in the construction industry, really to give our members the why, the why on why diversity and inclusion should matter to their company. So we developed and released that paper in late October of 2018. And then we're looking for the next step in that evolution for us, which was the how-to. And the program that AGC of Washington had already created with Culture of Care was a really good how-to for establishing an inclusive and welcoming culture. So we partnered with the AGC of Washington, and they generously let us build culture of care into a national program. So essentially, culture of care is a pledge that we're asking companies in the construction industry to take committing to building safe, welcoming, diverse, and inclusive cultures, both in their offices, but also on the job sites. So CARE is an acronym, and it stands for Commit, Attract, Retain, and Empower. So by taking the culture of care pledge, you're committing to hire and pay based on skill and experience to attract new employees into your company by making sure that your workplaces are free from harassment, hazing, and bullying, to retain those employees that are in your company already by identifying and removing barriers to advancement, and empowering every individual 
both your employees, but also your trade partners and other owner reps and everybody that's walking onto a construction job site, really empowering those employees to be able to promote a culture of diversity and inclusion or a culture of care. So once you take the pledge, there are a number of resources on the website that help you live out that pledge. Everything from things like posters and hard hat stickers to help you build awareness about culture of care, make sure that it's a visual reminder to everybody that's on the job site what a culture of care is and what the expectations are around that, to being able to have uh, deeper conversations with employees. We have a number of toolbox talks on there about culture of care and about other diversity and inclusion topics, things like racism and sexism. We also have on the websites a individual culture of care pledge that we don't publish the individuals that take that culture of care pledge, but companies can use it as a way to encourage their employees to make that own personal commitment that they're going to create an inclusive workplace culture around them. And you can also use that as a way to identify employees who are allies, who are champions for diversity and inclusion on the job site. Use that as a way to hand out hard hat stickers so other employees can easily kind of see who those allies are. And then we have a number of policies, things like creating supplier diversity programs, sample employee policies to include in your employee handbooks different policies and things that you can set to help you create that inclusive culture and set those expectations for employees and trade partners and everybody who's working either at your company or with your company. Thank you. That was a wonderful explanation on the history of it. So when it comes to construction suicide, we've had the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention on a few times now uh, over the past two years. Talk to me a little bit about how the culture of care program is grown and evolved and is a little bit different, Henry, from the suicide prevention initiatives. I know you mentioned that uh, suicide prevention is part of this and that's where it spawned from, but you guys have went a step further and added diversity, equity, and inclusion into this. So can you talk to me a little bit about why this program takes that next step? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And yeah, I think one of the things that's for me personally that has struck me and continues to, to this day is we started this in a time before the whole country kind of went upside down with a lot of the craziness happening with the George Floyd murder and just a lot of tension that was just beginning with regards to our country that obviously affects the people that go to jobs every day. And so you would have thought we had timed this. And so when, when this began to happen, we had companies that were trying to figure out how do we respond to this? What do we do? How do we help our people? How do we as a company, what position do we take? And being thoughtful and considerate to the, our employees. And so for AGC to have a program that was already intact and that was generally helping people navigate and companies navigate through meaningful action was just an awesome opportunity for us to make a difference. And so when I think about person that's come from the field. I've spent more of my years in the field than I have in the office. And, and so understanding the dynamics of the group that is kind of left out there really to get the most important part of jobs done, which is to build them, getting left to the side. You don't have the respect because we work in the dirt that we don't have to have 
clean running water to wash our hands. Um, we can have different types of behavior that are questionable and it's okay. Lots of different things that have been promoted in, re in regards to bad behavior in the construction industry, specifically in the field side. And so to have a program that comes to talk about how do we create well-being and mental health and respect, how do we commit to something that looks differently, that we want to retain and attract people, empower them to do the right things, um, not just for the sake of doing the right thing, but out of respect for people. It ultimately has a great impact on how people show up every day. And so when you think about folks who die by suicide, just the gravity of someone that made a decision to come to work to end their lives and just pausing on that and, and how traumatic and what it represents in regards to uh, our societies and, and families that represent our industry and having a program and initiative that is addressing that is critically important. And, and so it may be somewhat of an indirect in regards, but we're definitely partnering with those associations that are there to help empower people and give them hope. And, and again, create environments that deal with the mental stresses of being a, a leader in the industry. I mean, there's so many stresses out there with deadlines and budgets. And, and again, we didn't go to apprenticeship school and learn how to lead people necessarily. We didn't go to class and apprenticeship schools to to have soft skills and understand how to talk to somebody and get to bring the best out of them. That wasn't part of our classes and our DNA. And so we've been kind of excused to do the opposite for so long. This program shines a light on that, which ultimately really does help individuals kind of work through issues and identify mental health as something important to address. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to follow up on something that I just noticed on the website, which is your diversity and inclusion assessment. Bryn, can you tell me a little bit about that and what that means? Because that to me is another way to separate, you know, some people really don't know. They think they know what it means to be diverse and inclusive, but not really sure what it entails. Can you uh, speak to that assessment? Yeah, we created that resource a couple of years ago now. But it's one of our newest and I think most important resources that we have as part of Culture of Care. The diversity and inclusion assessment is a way for you to, as an organization, so it's an organizational assessment, to really be able to measure and benchmark your diversity, equity, and inclusion programs, practices, and policies. Because if you don't measure it, right? You're not going to be able to see progress. You're not going to be able to budget for it. You're not going to really be able to invest in your DEI programs, practices, and policies if you're not tracking and measuring your progress. And it's also really important to measure progress so you can celebrate your wins. I mean, this is a journey and every company is starting at a different place and moving at a different pace. So it's not something, you know, if you're nervous or concerned or hesitant to want to take the pledge and want to step into this as a company, know that you can move at your own pace. The most important thing is communicating to your employees your intention behind it, why you're taking the pledge, and then what you're doing to make that progress. And the assessment can really help you to be able to celebrate those wins. So it evaluates your company's DEI programs, practices, and policies in four areas. It is your workplace, which is 
your communication, your leadership commitment, what you're investing, who is responsible for your DNI in programs, practices, and policies in your company, right? Who's leading those efforts in your company? What type of decision-making authority they have? The second section is your workforce, which are your promotion, recruitment, retention practices, the types of benefits that you're offering your employees. The third section is your supplier diversity program. So how you're engaging and working with diverse businesses, bringing them into your company, into your projects. And then the fourth one is your community involvement. So what are you doing related to DEI in the communities in which you're working, where your job sites are located and where your offices are located? So it gives you a score in those four sections once you go through and you take this assessment. It gives you that score. The other thing that you can do with the assessment is track your demographic data of your employees. So you can track both at an entire workforce level or a company-wide level what your demographics are, but you can also break it down so you can track your executive leadership demographics. You can track your managers, your supervisor manager level. You can track your craft level workforce if you have a craft workforce the demographics. And so you can see over time whether your recruitment and retention strategies around diversity are actually making an impact and you're seeing growth and progress. And with all of that, so not only can you take it and kind of track your own progress on an annual basis, but you can also benchmark against other companies in the industry. So you can filter out by geographic location, by company size, by the type of work your company does, whether you're a trade partner or you're a GC or you're an architect or engineering firm, you know, we have different filters in there. So you can filter out and you can compare yourself more on an apples to apples comparison, how you're doing in these areas compared to your competitors um, or compared to other companies in the industry. So it's a really great tool that allows you to kind of track progress and also use it as a way to show results and celebrate your wins, no matter how big or small they are, that you can show your employees, your diversity committee, if you have one of those in your companies, that you can really show that progress and you can kind of show that evolution of your journey in diversity, equity, and inclusion as you move forward. I love that because you've said something I probably should have asked up front, and that's that this is, you know, the Association of General Contractors started this program, but this is not just for general contractors. It's for anybody in the construction industry, and we need to make sure that's emphasized on here. Yeah, and that was really intentional for us. I mean, yes, you know, our chapter created this program and we built it out into this national website, but you do not have to be an AGC member company in order to take the pledge. You don't have to be an AGC member company in order to access these tools and resources. We really wanted this to be similar to how we view safety in the industry. We wanted this to be a program for everybody in the industry, for any company to be able to utilize. And it is meant for you know companies to be able to take the pledge and then use the resources in the way that works for them, right? So it's not a set program where you take the pledge and then you have to do these 10 steps. You can use the pieces of the program and the resources and the tools that are part of the program to 
you know, whichever ones fit your company, whichever ones you need in order to grow in DEI. There's not something set that you have to do, but what we want you to do with Culture of Care is to take the pledge, to take that first step, and then to work with your company and your employees to move forward in diversity and inclusion in the right way for your company and make sure that you're creating a culture of inclusion and belonging for all of your employees. Because going back to that kind of safety and suicide prevention talk, everybody in this industry can be struggling and feel not included, to feel like they don't belong, to feel like they can't speak up if there's something that's wrong. So part of creating an inclusive culture It's not just for people who are from historically excluded groups in the construction industry, but it's really for everybody. It's to create that culture of belonging, that culture of safety that allows everybody to be able to speak up, to be able to tell somebody that they're tired and they need a break or whatever that looks like, to be able to kind of be themselves and and be okay with that. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. VPO is looking forward to Construction Inclusion Week, and we're especially pleased to sponsor CMAA's Culture of Care episode. As a certified WBE, we actively foster inclusion and respect on the VPO team, and we treat each of our customers differently because we recognize and value the uniqueness of every project and its participants. Built for CMs and owners, VPO delivers flexible software and services for capital program management from concept through closeout, including administration, onboarding, and support for all internal and external users. Visit us at CMAA 2023, booth 205. With VPO, you're not just getting a product, you're getting a partner. So Henry, I'm curious what the process looked like for you when Southland Industries took the pledge. Where did you get started? Did you receive any pushback, any surprises? What has it been like for you all? I've had an opportunity to talk with our CEO, Ted Lynch, way back when, when the George Floyd murder occurred and just again, what our own response was going to be. And and so having that type of dynamic where I, I have access to him and talking to our leadership about what do we do as a company? And for him to ask several of us, and primarily at that time, people of color, how do we respond in a meaningful way as a company? And, and so it was a great segue to kind of come have a conversation about the culture of care, why it matters, what it would look like for us, why it's significant, how to get rolled out in our different divisions. And so I obviously took responsibility for, for NorCal and, and obviously talked to the, the general company about it as well. And again, coming from the field, I have some, I guess what we would call street cred still, that I can talk to people about those type of conversations and they're not looking at me like I'm just some person that's completely removed from what it means to be in the field, you know? And so we have this, well, there's data and we also have this saying that we know that our our jobs are either won or lost in the field. And so it's not just about performance, it's also about the mindsets that we have. And so I approached our superintendents, our construction manager, about how would this look rolling out in our in our company and what kind of conversations do we need to have? And I think it's really important to understand where you are in your journey. It's like we talk about the assessment. So because I've been here for 
16 years now at that time, I mean, I knew what we were as a company. Were we perfect? No. Were we a lot better than others? I would say yes, as regards to being progressive and proactive. And so it was taking that assessment and then reaching people where they currently are in their own journey. And I think it's really important to not give someone more, you know, like don't bite more than you can chew. And, and so are we ready to have deep conversations about racism from jump? Probably not, you know, although it's highly important, but do I want everyone to run when they see me coming? No. So I need to understand where they are and figure out how do we begin with baby steps, meaningful baby steps, right? But still baby steps so that we can make sure that we're going to get buy-in and not buy-in with lips, but buy-ins with hearts and minds. And so it's, it's really trying to understand where we were, have the right conversations and then say, hey, at the end of the day, I mean, when you think about this, the objective really is about how do we become better human beings. Now, all these other components that we have to talk about, sexism and racism and, and you know, the discrimination and LGBTQ plus community and all those things, they're critically important, but it's really important to know where should we start as a company so that we can make sure with our best effort, we're going to get progress, we're going to get traction. And, and so currently we have our superintendents are in, in charge of rolling us out and like it's a safety talk. And, and so we think we can do weekly conversations at the job site, at the trailers with our small groups, like we would do a safety meeting minute. We do that and we have a different topic and someone's responsible for that topic and they are just going to have a discussion. And so it's really about creating opportunities to have dialogue about things that we never talk about at work. You know, so we're trying to have, make it one, it's, it's more comfortable becomes part of our norm where we can have these conversations. Can we solve the world's problems in 10 minutes or 15 minutes? No, we have to get a job done. But if there's something dynamic happening in our country that is on top of mind of everybody and we're preoccupied when we come to work, guess what? If we don't address that, it's really almost like a safety issue that we will eventually have where people are just preoccupied by things or driving down the road to commute to work or talking about these dynamic events going on in the world, and then they have to show up to work and just suddenly put the blinders on and just go do their job. They're not robots, so they won't be able to do that. So it's up for us to really be more proactive and have those kind of conversations with our teams and allow for that space where you can have those conversations. And that's really how we brought it out is to not make it extra hard. Don't make it about it being a compliance thing. Let's recognize the importance of it and create space for healthy conversations that may sometimes be uncomfortable. But again, we're not trying to solve the world's problems in 10 or 15 minutes, but we are trying to have dialogue. Sometimes that's the hardest part is just having a conversation. And the more comfortable we can begin doing those types of things, the easier it becomes. And then there's sidebar conversations that will happen that are after these talks and creates opportunity to have discussions and things again that we just don't address in our field. It's always about get it done. Get, it, get the work done, that's the top priority. But we also got to make sure our people are in a place where they can safely. Uh, we really have concern about, obviously, people's physical safety, but we also understand how important it is to have mental health and well-being and, again, create space for that dialogue. So that's what we do. And I think I would encourage any other company to really understand where you're at and know how would this survive day one and how would it plummet to the ground day one and recognize where you will fall in that and figure out a, a pathway. And guess what? It may not work the first time or the second time, but don't quit. And, and you just figure it out and ask your people what they need. 
And they'll tell you if they, if they have that safe space to really tell you what they need, they'll tell you. Then you got to listen to them and figure out what works for you as a company. Henry, just give me one more insight to any challenges or any surprises that you guys got while you were starting this program. Uh, any pushback that you guys got? Because, you know, sometimes that can be the biggest hesitation within an organization. Yeah, the challenge is that I, I think is just the conversation in itself. And well, why do we have to do this? Right? You have some folks that understand the importance and those who just are completely just not in the know, I'll say, for lack of a better term, you know, and they think everything is fine the way it is. There's what's wrong with having pictures on the wall that have no representation of anyone else but one group of people, right? And those kind of things that can be offensive, but because it's been done for so long, it's the norm. So, hey, why are we bucking the norm? Why are we bucking the system? And, you know, so you have to educate and you have to have patience and you have to have the right people in the room to help, again, have that kind of dialogue. So some of it is silent resistance. Why are we doing this? It's not necessarily always blatant, but it's it's kind of like trying to get someone, like a, a dog getting a shot. Like you got to drag them inside the, the veterinarian office. They know it's about to happen. They're not walking in agreement. They're holding back, you know, maybe they're not biting you. But, you know, but they're definitely showing you that they're not okay with this. And, and I think it's really important that we, we dig into that and then we help understand or we want to gain knowledge on why people are pushing back. And, and so I, I think it's, again, across our company, it's different levels of understanding, different backgrounds that we have. This is not just a thing like it's about women. It's not just for women. It's not just about people of color. It's about all of us and how we fit into the whole spectrum of this dynamic. I want to also, you know, make sure that I say that I don't expect everyone to just come running down the path with their arms open up wide saying we're ready to do this. I expect resistance. I expect there to be a level of uncomfortableness. And one of the things that I used to say as a, as a chair of the DNI Council for AGC was just if we're not facing that for our own selves as as members of this this committee being uncomfortable then we're probably not doing much this is uncomfortable stuff we're, we're treading on water that we we all know it exists but it's the stuff we never talk about and and so it creates some trepidation in all of our hearts and minds many times because you're not trying to offend people i mean if you are then that's just you're the wrong person in the room right but you're if you're really not we're not trying to make people feel bad we're not trying to point fingers at people. We're not trying to say you're a racist because you did this. We're just trying to un help you understand and then help help you understand what we feel, right? So it's really about that dialogue, but it definitely makes people feel like, Ugh, why do I want to do this? You know, let's just go do our job. You know, that's easier, safer, and more predictable. And is this really about work? You know, and, and so those kind of things where you, people can feel like it's a waste of time. It doesn't matter. Uh, we all got to go just get our jobs and just shut the hell up and go do your job, right? It's not that simple. And then we also understand there's a whole generation of people that are coming into our industry that won't accept that. And, and so for us to be best in class and preferred as an as a employer, we have to make adjustments. And so it's a slow process. It's like a stew. You can't rush it. <laughs> and then you take it out too soon, nothing's ready. you know. And so sometimes that resistance primarily looks very silent and you have to be kind of keen and understand your people to, to ask some of the tough questions and say, hey, how are you? 
are you feeling about this? And that was the thing that I really promoted for us was I don't expect everyone to be cool by ya and say, well, because Henry's doing this, we should all just be in alignment. No, I want you to tell me how you really feel about it so that we can address it there and then begin to walk in those steps. And, and so, or even crawl in those steps to the point where we can begin to walk and create more impact because as good as the slowest person in the room. And we understand that because we're a lean company and we understand that philosophy and, and how it applies there. And we apply it in this realm. And ultimately we can't do any better than the weakest link. And, and so we, we've got to spend time and pause with those people. And then there are times when some people won't make it. You know, there's some people who will fight this and we have to come to the decision that you don't sit. You know, and, and we have to make decisions like that where you move on because then they become kind of a poison or a cancer to your integral parts of what you're trying to achieve. And so you have to make those hard decisions. So definitely resistance, but nothing overwhelming. But I think it's because how we've approached it and saying, hey, we just, we're really trying to figure this out together. Not one person has all the answers. That's great. I mean, we really appreciate you being candid and sharing all those experiences. So thank you so much. Bryn, we're, we have time for one final question. So just for those listening, what advice would you give our listeners? You know, How can people get involved both on an organizational level and an individual level? You, you mentioned that folks can take this pledge as individuals as well. So what final advice would you give our listeners? So I think the biggest thing is if you're thinking about, you know, and to go back to the last question and kind of what I've heard from, you know, an organizational standpoint of companies looking to take the pledge is there's a lot of hesitation and maybe some fear about taking the pledge and then being held to as a company certain expectations that you feel like you can't live up to. And so I think going back to kind of our, you know, conversation way at the beginning about being open and communicating about it is the most important thing, that taking the pledge is a really good first step for your company. And as long as you are communicating along the way and you are being genuine and authentic to your employees about where you want your company to go, from a leadership standpoint, they will hear that. They will see that, right? They know if this is just to check the box for your company or if this is really genuine. So as you're thinking about taking the pledge, if you're hesitant to do that, know that if you do take the pledge and if you're communicating to your employees about why you're taking the pledge, that they will understand that and they will to Henry's point, maybe have a little bit of resistance, a little bit of pushback, just not understanding what that means. But if you are communicating to them on an ongoing basis, you're having conversations, big conversations, small conversations, group, one-on-one, providing a pathway to get feedback, providing that safe space for people to be able to share their reservations and their concerns, and then you can work as an organization on how to address those and move forward, that you will be successful. You don't have to do everything overnight. It's a slow process. It's a journey. But any progress is good progress, right? Any progress moving towards a more inclusive company, a company that has job sites, that has workplaces 
where people feel like they can be themselves and they're accepted and they feel like they belong. I mean, on a human level, that's what we all want. We all want to feel like we're part of the in-group. We all want to feel like we belong. So working towards creating that for all of your employees is really important. And as long as you're communicating along the way, your employees will be receptive to that. So that's my biggest, I think, piece of advice for everybody is just to not be afraid to start and make sure that you're communicating in a genuine and authentic way, because that's how you will bring people into this conversation, bring them into culture of care, get them to or encourage them to take the individual pledge to make that commitment for themselves. You know, it's through that leadership commitments and communication that will really help to change the culture in your organization. I love that you called that a first step, Bryn. That was a good point that this is something that's an ongoing thing that has to continue beyond just signing the commitment. Bryn, Henry, we applaud you and ADC for this incredibly important program. So thank you for joining us to discuss it. We look forward to hearing more about the culture of care and hope that our listeners will consider making the commitment to visit buildculture.org. Again, that website is visitbuildculture.org. Also, on October 16th through the 20th is Construction Inclusion Week. You can find more information on the events going on during that week at constructioninclusionweek.com. Coming up on the season finale of the Construction Leaders Podcast, we will be talking to the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers about what the future holds for them and some incredible things that they are always working on. Make sure to download or subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at CMAA underscore HQ. Don't forget to leave us a review with your thoughts of today's episode and let us know what you'd like to hear on an upcoming podcast. On behalf of CMAA, I'm Nick Soda with Carly Trout. Thanks for listening.